What on earth is that? It's a Journey into Comics Network production! All aboard! I brought my pencil! What do you wanna do with your life? Walk on home, boy! Yeah! What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to another episode of Rank 'em All. This is the show where we go through every single album on a band's discography and rank each song individually and come up with an amazing master list to let you guys know what we think about these songs. Today, joining me yet again is an amazing panel of dudes, the big four of this show. Welcome back again, Nick Maxson. How's it going, my friend? It's going excellent. Glad to be Fucking here. Awesome. Excited Glad- to be here. Yes. Uh, also joining us is the dongliest one. How are you? <laughs> How's it going, bro? It's going good. It's going good. Uh, I'm uncomfortable now. Thank you. The dongliest. Uh, Chef dong sauce in the house. <laughs> oh. Guys, stop. <laughs> These names are getting out of hand, but I love it. Completely out of hand. And of course... The big four would be incomplete if we didn't also have with us the pod master Brando. How's it going, brother? It's going pretty good, man. It's going pretty good. Uh, we just got done, of course, ranking master of puppets. We have also done kill them all and ride the lightning. Go back and listen to those if this is your first time listening. And today we are tackling and justice for all. I'll tell you what, this album, I, you know, most people say, most people who definitely say what, what I'm about to say. Or say, well, your black album was when they sold out. I remember when I first started working at my current job, there was a there was another guy who started working with me, and I was wearing a Metallica shirt. And he goes, Man, they I think they really sold out on Injustice for All. Like, whoa. That's the first time I'd ever heard that. I was like, Well, wait a minute, hold on. You do you mean black album? No, Justice. They made a video. That is true. They did. They they did release their first MTV music video for one. Wow. Um, which actually wasn't supposed to be their first music video. Apparently, there is like some footage somewhere of "For Whom the Bell Tolls" as a music video that uh, never has been released. There's also a live footage for "Seek and Destroy." There, way back when, there was like a potential. You know, they were they were they recorded it with some pretty good quality equipment at the time that they could get a hold of, and then just yeah. nothing ever came of it. Dang. But Justice and Justice for All came out in September 7th, 1988 with the lineup of James Heffield, Lars Ulrich, Kirk Hammett, and new bass player Jason Newstead. Nowhere to be found on the album. I mean, he's there. <laughs> uh, he's got writing credits on the first song. Don't get used to seeing that. He's, he's only oh. got three. He only has three. That, that, that is the first of three songs that he has writing credits for. And I he's still getting one. And that's the first song. No, I mean across his entire Metallica tenure, he oh. only has three. So they so they granted him a seat on the council, but they did not give him the rank <laughs> of, of master. Is that what happened? We do not grant you rank of master of puppets. Oh, <laughs> that that yes, that that is a perfect analogy. Sweet. Um, yeah, no, uh, Jason is here. Uh, production wise, the album was kind of marred in production hell. They they originally teamed up with producer Mike Clink. He was the guy who did uh, Appetite for Destruction, and there were budding heads. They, they they didn't vibe well with him. He wanted to do certain sound things. They, James and Lars were really taking the 
the forefront of like where they wanted the sound to go. And of course, those two guys have always been kind of seen as like, like, like the conductors of the train. Like, like wherever they're going is where the band's going. And you know, hop on and help out if you want to. But here we are. The album was recorded in uh, in Los Angeles, so they actually did record this one closer to home. And uh, when I- they when they lost Mike Clink and they kicked him to the curb, they brought back in the man Fleming Rasmussen, the guy that who had done who who'd produced him for Ride and Master to pretty much kind of finish it off because they were really doing a lot of recording. They were also doing a lot of recording in and out of the studio. Like they would come in and they record some, and they would leave because they were also on the um, on the Monsters of Rock tour. Uh, I, I remember a, a tidbit specifically of Kirk having to come back and finish up solos while they were on tour. <laughs> So that's fun. But, guys, uh, does anybody else have any sort of thing to say about Injustice for All before we dive in? This is the first album that I have of Metallica on vinyl that's like an original pressing. The original pressing? I mean, that's cool. I got it for 10 bucks. That's cool. Blackened doesn't work, though. Oh, which sucks balls. But the rest of the album works pretty good. You know, it does. It don't, that's the only one that like really skips to the point where you're just like, I can't even find. You just need to go to track two. I finally bought uh, a, the re-release of Justice around Black Friday uh, last year. I've been waiting for so long, and then like Walmart had all their vinyl for like I don't know, uh, like fifteen, seventeen bucks. So I just picked it up then. Um, wow. Just happened to look through their vinyl and saw, oh, Justice, cool. I need this one. <laughs> getting it you know so absolutely justice for all and justice for all is a very long album at 65 minutes 33 seconds not the longest that we'll encounter among their discography but some of these songs are long and actually there's something to be said about that because on the vinyl it actually gave a warning about the length of the album and said it is a two disc album sorry but the songs were long enough we had to split it up you know enjoy there's actually like a sticker. I still have it. It's in the other room. I would go grab it, but that's a lot of effort for me right now. <laughs> yeah, I understand. Touche. Not even touche. Just touche. 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 So the first song. Are we gonna just just dive right into the first song? Blackened. Writing credits for James, Lars, and Jason Newstead coming in at six minutes forty one seconds. Is the opening track of the album. The opening tracks have all been pretty powerful so far. Nate, I'll let you go first. What do you got to say about Blackened? Or, or, I mean, could you even listen to it? Well, I listened, <laughs> obviously, with the Zune. I wasn't oh, trying to do my listen to it. The almighty yeah, Zune. No. The almighty Zune, bro. Obviously with the Zune. <laughs> Come on now, man. Like, get with the times. I can't wait to talk about this. Is I'm I'm already having so much fun on this episode, you guys. It's great. So aggressive. Uh, this has a very aggressive intro punch to the throat thing with a reversed guitar sound that can't be done live, which I love. I love that they kind of fucked themselves into having to use a backing track to make Kirk's solo go the wrong way. It's timey-wimey. Uh, one of the best choruses, in my opinion, that Metallica to this point. Now, I'm I'm prefacing this note with I'm trying to remember when I'm writing my notes that the band doesn't exist past 1989 right now. You know, like I haven't got to the next album. I, I will and sometimes reference like, oh, you can tell where they were starting to feel out justice because it's good to note. But um, the breakdown is brutal. More angular riffing. Mutilation. Uh, 
I was one of my favorite lines in the song, obviously, when they're doing that whole like callback thing. Um, the dual lead is great. I do have one question. Where to base? Where to base? Where to base? You got turned down. Tur- turned off, bro. It's not. I mean, we'll, we'll again talk about it later. Um, on, there's a solo in there that Kirk just goes fucking nuts. And I was just like, whoa, okay. Does his his fingers don't have a slowdown? All right. Uh, thematically heavy, musically heavy, and I think that secretly it's also a statement on how they felt about losing Cliff Burton. Color our world blackened because everything they had known to that point was not that, and they lost their friend, and all they could see, even if they were using other themes. Again, James being very clever, being able to have this double entendre. There's some vibes that make me in some of the things they're saying really scream, you know, this was influenced by the death of Cliff. Yeah. Uh, the song to me is a 9.5, though. Brilliant. Brilliant song. Right on, right on. We'll go ahead with Nick next. What do you got to say about Black It? Uh, I really like this, uh, especially as a first track. Um, I'm, I'm one of the... I'm one of those people that likes to consider where an album or a song is played on the album. Um, and at, for a first song, it's fucking awesome. Um, great classic riff, awesome solo. Uh, I give it 8.25. Banger. It's a banger. It's a banger. Sort of banger. banger. <laughs> Dick, does this reach banger territory for you? This is an eight and a half for okay. me. Okay. Uh, it's one of my favorite songs on the album. Uh, this is what I consider a ripper. The song Ooh. is ripped. It rips. Okay. It, it's cool. And in this in this song, uh, James showcases a little trick he learned, or maybe it's not his trick. Maybe it's the producer's trick. But uh, that that little echo that he does. Sorrow, sorrow. Yeah, it's just like they, they showcase that same exact effect several times on this album. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just they, they beat a dead horse <laughs> after a few times. So, well, well, uh, well, uh, well, when you find a new toy, when yeah, you, when you find- oh, yeah I, I agree. It's cool. It, it, it ended up being cool. And I think this is like the beginning of his like really repetitive use of. Opposition, opposition, opposition. Yeah, Yeah, it's like the very beginning of his repetitive (laughs) use of sounds. Compromise. It's funny because when you um, when like when you mentioned like him kind of getting into that, Justice is where I really kind of feel like he really starts to find his lower voice. Yeah, you know, like maybe that started on Master, but like just his voice sounds different when he's singing on Justice compared to even Master of Puppets. Because you could tell, like, with with Kill Ride and Master, he's kind of up here. And then with Justice, he's like, his balls drop. Ooh. (laughs) He starts getting (laughs) into that. Uh, So Dick said 8.5. Nate, what did you say again? 9.5. Okay, I want to make sure that I didn't mistype that. I gave it a 9. Again, note that I'm the guy that hasn't given any points, uh, any nine points. I just went single numbers all the way down with my things. I haven't done that. Um, no, Blackened is an awesome opening. It's heavy. It's not as... It is thrashy, but it's not super thrashy. It, it goes like into bursts of thrash. Um, 
that what Nate talked about that reverse intro. That's such a cool story about that. How they recorded it, they didn't sound right, and then they just reversed it and like that sounds cool. So they put that on the intro. Now and now he can never play it. <laughs> but it just when I hear this song, and then you don't hear the bass, but but you <laughs> but you're reminded of of what Cliff brought to the band with the, with, with his composition skills. And they definitely left their imprint because I can feel Cliff's imprint all over this album. He's not there, but, but with where, with with what he taught James, with what he taught Kirk and, and Lars and just his influence on the band is still there. Uh, really like, like overwhelmingly, I gave this song a nine, as I said, so, uh, not the highest rated intro. Well, is it, is that the highest rated intro so far? It can't be. It is. Not better than battery. It is. Yeah, when Dick ranks battery at a fucking low ball six like a chump. To spoiler alert, if you haven't yet got to the the fucking episode where we've done Master Puppet. You need yet. to go back to listen to that. Yeah, no. Yeah, go listen to that. Blackened is now sitting at the highest ranked intro song. But up next, up next, up next is Injustice for All. <laughs> and Nate, I'll let you go first. Uh, Injustice for All is surprisingly not the longest song on the album. It's the second longest song on the album by two seconds. Nine minutes, 47 <laughs> seconds. Got writing credits from James Kirk and Lars. What do you got to say about the title track? Uh, Chef's Kiss. It is absolute perfection. The acoustic intro is perfection. First line, halls of justice, painted green, money talking. Perfection. Like, I'm just going to keep using that word. I hope maybe you'll get figured out. Uh, their, <laughs> their grief and trauma with so much attack and aggression in this song. More angular riffing. The solo section just fucking blisters. And you are like, wow, these guys have a real statement to say. They are so angry. Holy shit. Uh, so many intricate riffs working within each other. One of my favorite lines in the song, Lady Justice has been raped. Truth assassin. Thematically timeless, musically flawless. It is a 10. Wow. 10 for Injustice for All from Nate. Dick, do you have the same enthusiasm? No. I eight. didn't think so. <laughs> uh, eight. I'm going to give it an eight. Uh, it's just a really long, drawn-out song. It's a very jammy song. This whole album, that, and, that's, and that encompasses this entire album. This entire album is a giant fucking jam. Uh, it, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a statement, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. Nick? Uh, I give it an eight. Um, it's a banger. It's, uh, uh, I love the, the intro, the introduction. Um, and then when it kicks in, there at the beginning uh you're getting ready to get your balls hit i really like it it's not my favorite uh, it's not my favorite of the title tracks mm-hmm. um but it is completely badass so if i gave it an eight so i'm breaking with the crowd here i gave it a seven wow um i like the song and and, and, and i love the themes of the song i even like the riffs it's just too long it drags it's on a long boy it drags on maybe about two minutes longer than when it needed to. I'll be honest with you. Like, uh, my my score is emphatically 
because of the length. If it was shorter, it would definitely would have got a much higher score from me. Be simply because while I like the song, by I'm kind of done with it by the time the five minute mark kind of comes around. It's like it, <laughs> it's it doesn't capture me like the other title tracks do. Uh, even other tracks on this very album, it doesn't capture me that way. It's got, as I said, it's got great riffs, great theme, great intro. Uh, it's not a bad song by any means, um, but it could have been a little shorter. Eye of the Beholder is track three. Ironically, I did not know this. This was a single. Really? That's <laughs> yeah. awesome. This is the second single on the album and was released in October of 88 as a single. With the cover of Bread Fan. Hmm. I was not aware of that. There's <laughs> so also check this out. I love this. So there's a radio edit of Eye of the Beholder. Okay. And Eye of the Beholder clocks in at 6 minutes, 25 seconds. Radio edit version is 5 minutes, 58 seconds. They still thought it was too damn long. <laughs> they cut right. like nearly 30 seconds? Yeah, yeah. So Dang. I'll just lead off with this one because I don't really have much else to say about it. Eye of the Beholder, it's got some... It, it, I, I don't, it doesn't do it for me that much. I gave this one a 7 as well. Um, it. I, I, I like the, the pre-chorus, the... The, the riff in that the verses don't do it for me though so uh, we'll go with uh, Nick next what do you got for Eye of the Beholder I don't have a whole lot for it um, mm-hmm. I uh, I made a note about liking the vocal delivery um, but other than that it was kind of a forgettable one for me I gave it a 7.25 um, so uh, yeah yeah, yeah. It did, uh, it's not sticking out to me very much yeah same Dick Seven and a half. Uh, same as you guys, you know, not much. I remember, I, I remember thinking to myself, like, wow, this kind of just sounds like not maybe not musically, but in terms of lyrics, it sounds like a continuation of Injustice, um, where they're talking about like freedom of speech and all that. And mm-hmm. It's dead. You don't have it. All yeah, right. that's all I'm gonna say about that. Oh, okay, oh, Nate. Um, I think that this is a song that is kind of overlooked. I think it's simple but brutal. Could be maybe the dark horse of the album is like a, a song that doesn't get enough props, and I can see where they wanted to maybe make it a, a, a like a a single for the radio. You know, it does make sense to me. However, this song is a song that has to really grow on you, and for it to really grow on you, you have to have listened to it time and time and time and time again to find little tiny things you really like because there's not one thing that's so catchy that you can just sing along. Um, it's angular and unconventional. That's one thing I have in my notes. The exotic scales in the solo are cool. Uh, but this song for me is is um, above middle of the road. It's an 8.25. All right. Yeah. I have the beholder. Okay. So, like, I like the riff and I like the like the pre-chorus the, and then going into the chorus. I like that stuff. But it just, everything else about that song is kind of forgettable to me. This next song is anything but forgettable. It is one. It was the third single off the album. It has writing credits. I didn't say writing credits for Eye of the Beholder, did I? Or for... Uh, okay, so Justice and Eye of the Beholder, both of those songs have uh, Kirk, James, and Lars for both of those. One has just James and Lars. Uh, one clocks in at um, 
was that seven minutes and seven, 27 seconds, so Long Boy as well. It was the third single off the album. I always thought it was the lead single, but it is not. It is the third. And it also has a radio edit as well. Whereas the album version is seven minutes and 27 seconds. The radio edit is five minutes and two seconds. So cut out quite a bit. Um, but that also the, the, the music video version uses the, uh, the radio edit. Uh, they, they did do a version for the video that is the, lo- that is the, uh, the, the, the longer version of the song. But um, start with Nate this time. Nate, what do you got to say about one? I feel like you started with me a lot. Oh, did I? Uh, yeah, because I got. It's okay. It's not Go a bad with, thing. All right, then screw I, you. Then screw you. Then. No, 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 no. All right, then my bad. Uh, it's I'm, okay. I just want to give the other guys are. a turn to talk first. Nick, it's all Nick, right. Nick, you go first. I'm sorry. All right. Um, I'll just start off off the bat and say I'm giving this one the big old ten. Um, it uh, it's got one of the best intros that they've ever done. One of my favorite intros to any song ever. You raising your hand to talk, Nate, or no? I was just... high fiving you. Oh, I thought you were amen and like. <laughs> no, I was like. <laughs> yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, immediate, immediately, and throughout the vocals um, and the lyrics are amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, you feel like you're right there with them. Uh, the guitar solo. They got a guitar solo at the very beginning. Um, they've got one uh, after what is the second chorus, and then what? It's the transition into. The second part of the song is one of the best. Um, and then, I mean, the whole song is amazing. All the solos are fucking awesome. The lyrics, uh, when they come into the, the second part of the song, the breakdown there, it just, you, you feel like you're, you, you feel like you're in the middle of a fight. Uh, so yeah, I'm giving it the perfect 10. It's, it's one of the best songs. Dick. I'm going to have to agree. 10. Uh, I went out before we started recording this, I was sitting there looking at the track list, like, wondering myself am i actually going to give any song on this album a 10 but uh i i thinking about it i have to give one a 10 because that entire second half of the song is just blistering and mean and it just that the machine gun fucking double bass and the machine gun fucking just chugs and just oh and then the 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 beautiful first half of the song Mm and then just all those memories of trying to beat this song on just hard <laughs> on Guitar Hero. Back to Guitar Hero. Oh, shit. Here we go. Always back to Guitar Hero. Just trying to beat it on hard for me. And then eventually I tried to beat it on Expert. It's even harder on Expert. Who oh, yeah. the fuck? Uh, but yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Guitar Hero 3 was the first time I ever heard this song as well. So oh, cool. uh, a lot of fond memories of Guitar Hero 3. I always had a hard time, you know, if someone says, what is your one favorite Metallica song? I, I, I always would say one because I, I feel like one really encapsulates everything that the band can do. They're very melodic, very moody. Again, fitting that mood, just like we talked about on, on the Master Puppets rank with the thing that should not be in Welcome Home, where, like, the very first part of this is very somber. It sets the mood, of course, with the whole, like... Uh, sound effect with the gunfire and, and like mortars firing. The uh, re- really cool that like I was describing uh, this song, Dick, to our team leader Teresa. Yeah, and she s- was very interested in it, and she downloaded it and she listened to it. She, really, she loved it. She goes, she it it was a ride. 
It's like it it was very scary and haunting uh, for that beginning part. Uh, also, I mentioned how Kirk had to fly back to the studio to finish the song. This was the song. And it was a solo. And it wasn't the last solo. It was the second solo that oh, was giving him God. the most problems. Where I it, bet. it had to be that middle ground of not too melodic, not too aggressive. And this song is a freaking masterpiece. I give it a 10. Oh, my. Haunting intro. We've said it. Everybody has used those words. Haunting. Again, again, I'm taken immediately back and can feel myself as a kid listening to this for the first time and just getting hit with all these different emotions. The first half is a full departure from thrash. While there's some heavy guitar, there's zero thrash in this. It's very driven by the classical influences. You can definitely tell throughout the double bass, and then all of a sudden we're off to the races. Here we go, punching you right in the balls. Darkness imprisoning me. It's amazing. Last of the things I have in my notes, the finger tap solo is one of the greatest solos of all time. And here we are, folks. We've reached it. Our first perfect score. It is a 10. Wow. On my notes, just yeah. so you guys know I'm not saying it. It's it's Yeah, it's there. Hell yes. Wonderful. Wonderful. <laughs> I see what you did oh yeah no yeah. there's just not much more that you can say about the song I mean they really knocked it out of the park with their execution on this Like, I also have a story about this song okay then like, it, it, go ahead and tell your story remember when I talked <laughs> about how I um, maybe borrowed some lyrics from Damage Incorporated or Disposable Heroes it was Disposable Heroes Yeah, uh, we were in class in history class and I had to write a paper, I remember, and it was supposed to be as if I was in war. I literally wrote the entire song of one, added some lyrics from fucking uh, from Disposable Heroes, and got an A+. Plus. A+. Plus. The teacher, here's the greatest part, he has no idea that that happened. And I thought it was clever because what does Kirk Hammett say? Good artists, a good artist will borrow, a great artist steals. <laughs> yep. Just straight up stole it. <laughs> I still have that paper somewhere. I kept it because I was like, that's fucking hilarious. How'd I do that? Did you put that next to the biology report? It's there. Yes, absolutely. That's accurate. It is next right. to the biology report. Uh, the next song is The Shortest Straw. Coming out of one, such a powerful song. The first song so far in our ranking that has the perfect rank of 10s across the board. I don't think Shortest Straws is going to get that here. We'll start with Dick this time. Dick, what did you think about the Shortest Straw? I give it like a, <laughs> a cool song. It's, I, give, I give it an 8. An eight uh, okay. It's got that really it's got that staccato fucking just rapid fire vocal. Really rapid fire. And uh, and then uh, again, this is another one of those uh, songs where James had that one like recall trick, <laughs> like that <laughs> that delay, that that weird echo that he does <laughs> in this on this that album. Tight echo he does. Tight for echo. you, shortest straw. <laughs> Nick, what do you got to say about the shortest straw? Uh, I gave it a seven point five. Okay. Uh, got classic riffs, super catchy chorus. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really like the the solo. There's a lot to the solo. He did a lot of different weird things in it. Yeah, yeah. You know what? Yeah, you're right. 
Um, because I was thinking about my own rating. I'm like, man, did I rate this a little too high for my own person? Nope, nope. Solo's right in there. Nate, we'll go. We'll, yeah. we'll, we'll hit with you next. Uh, <clears throat> the shortest straw, in my opinion, is a heavy head banger. It's a thrashy little number. Uh, angular riffs, cool. And you, Barry saying that a lot in this. Angular, yeah, I know. Very angular. It, it, this album is very angular. They're coming very angularly. That sounds wrong. <laughs> <laughs> They're getting a good arch. <laughs> I'm with you, Nick. Like, what kind of angles are we talking about? Obtuse, like right, full on. Just... Definitely obtuse angles. Obtuse. Um, all these songs are acute. They are all acute. Uh. Honestly, if you are listening with headphones deep, 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 deep in there, I hear a bass. His yeah. name is Jason. He's there. Oh, yeah. This song is where you can really hear it. Uh, Destroy the straw has been pulled for you. Uh, but I think that the solo at the end is not the most memorable, in my opinion. Like, I honestly right now couldn't sing you one line from that solo in my head because it just does not hit with me at all and never has. Okay. Uh, the song is an eight point two five though. It's not bad. I like okay. it. Okay, you you rated the you you definitely rated it the highest of us all because I gave it an eight. There's not much else that I could really say about it. I used to have a shortest straw shirt, which was all, of all songs you're gonna make us a, a shirt about. They made one <laughs> about the shortest straw has been pulled for you. Um, but the next song, Harvester of Sorrow. Harvester of Sorrow was the first single off the album in August of 88. I did not know this until we until we were doing this. And um, is it, so did they have to cut it down? I'm, I'm double checking. Uh, no, they didn't. The Harvester of Sorrow is the next to shortest song on the entire album. <laughs> so they didn't have to cut anything because uh, it ranks in <laughs> at five minutes and 46 seconds has writing credits I, uh, as James and Lars also I didn't say that for shortest straw it's just James and Lars uh, Harvester of Sorrow is in my opinion this is like the evolved version of like uh, for whom the bell tolls as far as like just chunky you know we're not thrashing here it's that slow headbang that Nick talked about on the last episode just you just in the groove with them and this song is bass there there you know there's a bass on this one as well and um I gave it a nine so uh Nate well I guess we'll go to you next Nate what do you sure. got to say about harvester uh I think this song is perfectly blending heavy with clean it has a nice way of like making all the guitar tones feel very important the tribal drums are incredible. I give, you take. You know, I fucking love that line. Uh, solo section grooves. Evil dual leads are amazing. When they come back in, and I think I'm just going to future trip like a couple years here. Live shit binge and purge when they do this song. And he comes in with all have said their prayers. And there's like this long, oh, and he like catches up to it. Fucking masterful. I wish that that part of it was in the actual album it's not but still love the song uh the outro is clever blending the chorus with the intro you know you've got the chorus doing its thing the intro yeah. comes over the top of it with the fade and you don't really get that when metallica were there back to the front see what i did there ah. uh this song is a nine nine all right uh nick how about you i get a seven five uh it's, it's one of my favorites on the album uh, i love the intro um and it's just one of his best vocal performances on the whole album, in my opinion. I kind of agree there. 
Other than one, maybe this one really sticks out to me. Uh, Dick, I guess you're last, man. What you got? Let's go with eight five. Um, yeah, I, I agree with Nick. It's it's one of the best vocal performances, and it's yet again another one of those uh, you know where he pulled the production on his vocals quite a bit uh, that I've been naming off on these. It's 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 one of three songs that I remember where he really did that a lot. But another cool thing is uh, I like about this is it really shows what's to come in the next album. Mm-hmm. I think with James. Absolutely. Um, so I got a little funny story really quick. Sure. Uh, in junior high, me. And- oh, I'm so glad you're bringing this up. Fuck. Yes. You don't even know what story I'm talking about. Are, are you going to bring up the alternate song lyrics you wrote? Yeah. Okay. Okay. So you, <laughs> okay, so you didn't know yeah. where I'm going. Motherfucker, I never forgot that shit. So, like, I, I wrote up a parody to Harvester of Sorrow called Beer in the Bottle. <laughs> and I found it, like, months ago. I, I wish I had it out for this because it, cause it is really funny. Because it's, like, something about, like, uh, uh, I'll be, uh, I've been drunk. It'll soon be here. Uh, tilt head back in flows beer, and, <laughs> and just sing it to like the very to, to the to the to the exact theme theme of the song, and it's like you know instead of harvester of sorrow you say beer in the bottle you know beer in the bottle then they got the guy over there to back up so get you drunk all the time. <laughs> it's like so stupid. It sounds great. <laughs> <laughs> it would be cool. I I, I I always thought like a parody of that song would be funny. And is the more that you play the song, the worse the song actually gets compositionally. Like you just the whole band starts falling apart because they just keep getting drunker as the song goes on. Oh, <laughs> and even great. gets to a spot where you just start flipping around the lyrics and like where like where you become so drunk that you're dyslexic. Ooh. But uh, the next song, "Frayed Ends of Sanity," uh, is the they borrowed from the uh, Wizard of Oz here, or stole. I'm not. I'm not sure which. Maybe borrowed. I, but it was funny because uh, I, I. I don't know. Like I can't remember who it was. I. Don't, I it might have been Nate. For all I know, thought that they were saying Oreos. Um, <laughs> at the beginning of the song. What, did you Did you write it? O- Oreos. Oreo. Oreos. <laughs> I just remember that for some somewhere in the back of the cockles of my brain, Nate. Since you had your since you have your notes, go ahead and go first, bud. Yeah, Oreos, Rios. <laughs> to me every time. Uh, lead-in riff is more jam, less thrash. The pre-verse is very catchy. Simple chorus, it still slays. Uh, oh, it's throughout the song. There are just wall of guitars that just kill you every time. Uh, Waves of Fear, They Pull Me Under, one of my favorite lines. Uh, made sure to write that down. Dual guitar interlude is amazing. The solo trade-off is rad, but weirdly at the end forgettable. I have a couple more pages of notes here. Uh, the, the sharp pivot out of the interlude back into the verse is really cool. It's one of the things that kind of saved the song for me. Dig the riff variation in the outro. It gets an eight for me. It almost got a five for me because last night as I was trying to listen through the album, I fell asleep sitting up to Freight Ends of Sanity. <laughs> I was like one verse in and I just was like, oh, shit, I was asleep. I got to go to bed. 
<laughs> the song is so bad it put me to sleep. Nick, what you got for me, bud? Uh, I gave it a seven. It's uh, it's uh, I don't want to say least favorite, but uh, let's say least memorable on the album for me. Um, I made a note about the transition to the solo being really awesome. Um, I I couldn't mouth it off to you right now, but uh, mm-hmm. yeah, maybe I'm maybe I'm losing steam at the end of the album. Maybe it's because I know what's coming up after the song um that my mind is already is already somewhere else but uh yeah afraid it ends gets a seven from me uh, same here i gave it a seven uh I- i'm right with you nick this song is kind of forgettable it, it this song is right there with eye of the beholder for me you know <laughs> in a way i feel guilty about giving injustice for all a seven because i feel like it's a better song than this but i just on my on my re-listen to it it was just to the point of like for just sheer length it was like all right guys <laughs> I get it. I get it. But no, seven here as well. Dick, do you have anything else to uh, to add in your score? Uh, I got a seven. Yeah. Uh, the only thing I remember from this song is the Oreo. Oreos, yeah. I mean, Oreos are Oreos are good. I mean, that's that's all I remember. I mean, from here out, like that's basically how it's gonna be for me because I had I didn't get this far in my re-listen, hmm. my re-listen. So it's tough. He had to bring thirty percent to rank them all. I, I did pretty good today. I, you got, I think I did pretty good today. I, I'm just giving you a hard time. I love you, bro. Um, I didn't mention that. Um, Freddy's Insanity also has a Kirk, Lars, and James writing credit on the next song. Is the longest song on the album at nine minutes and forty nine seconds. Writing credits to James Hetfield, Lars Ulrich, and Cliff Burton. Uh, being his last uh, writing credit, "To Live Is to Die," instrumental, the fourth instrumental of the instrumentals, <laughs> and probably, honestly, my least favorite. Mm-hmm. Um, I like it. I don't know. I'm... Nick, how about you go first? Tell, tell me what you think about it before I give my score. Um, I really like it. I think it's got a weird. The, the intro is a little weird. Um, the, the transition, I guess I should say, yeah. the transition from the first part of the song to the, to the, um, or the first riff of the song to the second, uh, the way it just, it melds into each other weird. I don't know about that. Um, but I, I really, really like it. Um, it's probably not, it's not my favorite of the instrumentals. I give it a 9.25. It's still one of my favorite songs that they've done. Um, I, I don't, uh, my musical vernacular is not uh, terribly strong, but uh, somewhere in the middle, it like drops down and the uh, uh, the guitar in the middle is very, very awesome. It gets quiet. Yeah, uh, um, yeah it's it's uh, it's one of my favorite songs that they've done. It's uh, um, probably my second or third favorite of the instrumentals. Um, and you, you can definitely tell that, that uh there's some cliff in there, so yeah, absolutely, Dick. What you got on this one? I don't know. Uh, I, <laughs> I don't remember this song whatsoever. Uh, You're gonna ruin the sucks. ranking of this I know, song. I know. I know. You're gonna ruin uh, it. I don't remember this song whatsoever. Uh, again, I didn't get this far in my re-listen. I think, and to be honest, I only got to about halfway through one in my re-listen. Uh, uh, from yesterday to today, so um, the rest has all been off memory. I'll get. I'll give it a seven. I'll give it a seven. Nate, go ahead, bud. You don't look very happy, Nate. <laughs> 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 I 
Here I come with notes and things to actually say. (laughs) 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 Okay. I think that the intro has a hauntingly beautiful guitar. I feel like that's a riff that Cliff was probably always just playing on the bus. You know, something that was his maybe, or maybe it was James, who knows. But I feel it, it really spoke Cliff to me when I heard it. It's very sullen in tone. Um, of course, immediately transitions into the, that very heavy groove that is the majority of the song that still gives you the headbang vibes, which you really love. Uh, later in the song, it's like one of the first real deep solos that happen. Kirk is pouring his fucking heart out to his friend. You can hear it in the tones and in how he is. Just listen to how he's speaking through his guitar because it's there. It's, it's like it like it, it makes me shake with emotion when I think about it. Um, the breakdown is beautiful and heartbreaking. That's what nick was just talking about where it really drops off in that it really just like takes you back to like oh god real life has happened and like shit got us here you know um of course cliff lives on in that moment specifically it's almost like he's talking to the fans of metallica in this last breath of his existence um which is actually in my opinion and i don't know if this is factual we'd need probably to look it sounded to me on the re-listen that that part where it's just the one guitar, very, very low, dropped off, is actually his demo, like a demo tape. It has a demo tape quality to the what if you're really listening to the mix. I love when bands do that, mm-hmm. and 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 it's it's beautiful. It's a beautiful tribute because that's actually him then talking through his music. It's not somebody playing his riff trying to recreate. Um, seven minutes and thirty-five seconds. We finally have words a poem written by cliff um which is amazing spoken by james the music is an awesome tribute to their fallen friend and this song is in my opinion a nine i love the i love this track yeah so the reason why i was a bit torn is that i kind of feel like the riff itself is a bit i don't know it's a little it does kind of draw on it draws on again the length issue with injustice for me uh, definitely hits home here. That, now, but the but the difference is is that there's different movements here. Just like you said, you know, with the different solo, you know, that that weird intro. But then when when the whole band kind of crescendos in before that that guitar spot that you were saying, like it, that gets me. And then oh, it, yeah. and then the sound just completely drops off into that guitar. And for the very first time that I can recall, maybe I'm not right here, but it's very apparent they're using strings. To act to accent uh, the music here, and that's something that would come later on in, within the Black album, as well as like they would you know then they would team up with Michael Kamen to do that. So, but they dabbled with it here. I I gave it an eight out of the instrumentals of the first four albums. It is my least favorite, probably be, probably in due just with length and how long it drags. But there's some cool spots in here for sure. But we are on the last song of the album, Dyer's Eve. We'll start with the guy with no words. Dick, what you got to say? <laughs> I remember <laughs> liking this song. <laughs> I love that you just called him out like that. That was beautiful. I'm just of this song years ago. I remember enjoying the song, oh, but yeah. I don't right now I don't remember it. Um so I have eight. <laughs> He's like, let's pull a number out of this here. 
that, that, that's what I got it too. I remember, I do remember enjoying this song a lot. Yeah. Uh, uh, Nick, it, it Nick. Like Metallica, but... Yeah, I, I want to say it was. Uh, I, I could be wrong, but Nick, we'll go to you next. What do you got to say about Dyer's Eve? Um, I want to start by saying that when I give it an eight, my eight matters. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's a valued uh, and thought after eight. Yeah, it earned eight as opposed to just being thrown at. So, um, really powerful vocals, um, really hard hitting riffs. And uh, I thought Lars really killed it on this one. The drums were pretty wicked. Oh, on this definitely. Song. Definitely. I agree with you 100% on that. He, he definitely brought it. I mean, he brought it for the whole album, but that song, there's a reason why that song doesn't get played a lot live, especially now. Yeah. Because he's, mean, he can't do it. <laughs> I mean, he can. He, they pulled he's it tired. out. Yeah, oh yeah. He's pulled it out, man, and they've done it. And But after that, he's like... <laughs> Let me finish up with that one. There we go. Um, Nate, Nate you, uh, you go ahead and go next. All right, brother. I think this is an immediate headbanger. Mm-hmm. You're just immediately in the groove of doing the thing. So fucking thrashy. Oh, my God. Yes, this is a thrashy uh, song. The drums are insane. Nick, you nailed it when you said they're just wicked. It, they're amazing. Lars really kills it. Thematically relatable. The, uh, this is spoken in, in, in hey, I'm a, a growing up kid, you know, 16, 17. I'm trying to find my own way, but my parent doesn't value my opinion. They don't think I exist as a person. They don't want me to be uh, essentially other than what they tell me to be. And I just, I love that. And that there, there's so much duality within the lyrical content of this song that really just cat- catches you. Uh, the guitar sits back at times to let the drum shine. This is a cliff move done by Kirk and James to let not the bass shine, but to <laughs> let the drums shine. It's the weirdest, not what you would expect back ass words thing, but it's amazing. Uh, one of my favorite lines is I'm in hell without you, obviously, uh, towards the end there. The outro raps fast. There are lyrics and you're like, oh, they might go into another chorus. And you look down at your Zoom or your player and it's five <laughs> seconds left. <The> fucking <laughs> You look down at your Zoom or whatever else you're using. <laughs> Are you sponsored by Zoom? <laughs> no, because if we were getting Microsoft money, you would know. Trust me. Uh, it's a nine for me, my friends. A nine. All right. <laughs> Uh, I gave it an eight. We almost had another perfect run through of, of numbers where where Dick and Nick gave it eights. I gave it an eight as well. Uh, yeah, it's, it's the thrashiest song on the album. Dick's eight, eight could have been a four though, man. He guessed. Yeah. <laughs> he guessed. Dick's eight had no bearing. He might have said fifteen, and we would have been like, I, I guess that's what we're going with now. Fifteen. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't heard the song in six years, but uh... damn it, Dick. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think this eight deserved it more than my "To Live Is to Die" score, which I don't rem- I don't know. Dude, I don't remember that I'm song? I'm not happy with you about your "To Live Is to Die" vote. Go back and it. listen to that and text us what your actual. I, score I will. Is. I will. So I gave Dyer's even a. I think it's relentless. Uh, just like what I, like like what we said on on the Master of Puppets uh, rank episode uh, with Damage Inc. Like. They come in with Dyer's Eve. Dyer's Eve hits you because, you know, To Live Is To Die ends with such a 
almost ends with that same intro with that same intro weave with the you're on this guitar. It's almost like you're on a boat. Just bobbing. And then and this forth. song comes in just da, 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 da. like, whoa, all right, I'm awake. I'm awake. You know, Nate fell asleep listening to Live Us to Die last night and he's like, Hey, whoa, I'm awake. <laughs> If I would have got to the end of that, yeah, if I would have got all the way through. No, I fell asleep on Freight Ends of Sanity. I know. I'm just blowing your shit. <laughs> no, yeah, but still, I mean, if I would have got to Dyer's Eve and woke up then, that would have been startling. Like, holy shit, what's happening? No, oh. no, no, dude. The song kicks. This is a really good album. So now that we've got all the songs ranked, of course, the highest ranked song on the album is one with 10. Our first perfect score across. The entire uh, across the entire rankings uh, so far, the least, the lowest ranked song on the album was the "Frayed Ends of Sanity" at seven point two five, and Brando, mine, uh, my my out my, my average ranking is eight point one. Nate, yours is an even or an odd nine. <laughs> I almost said even nine, but nine's not. Yet. Uh, Dick, your yours is an eight. I mean, it's technically an eight point zero five 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 six, but I'm just gonna say an eight. Fair. And sounds, then, yeah, sounds about right. <laughs> For all the, did you just draw that out of your hat, Brando? I think I'm gonna just say eight. <laughs> Nick, Nick got an eight point zero eight, so we'll just call that an eight as well. Uh, yes, with a master album average of eight point three, that sets now at. Number three on the album list with just above Kill 'em All. Kill 'em All is a seven point five seven. Then Justice is coming in with an eight point three, and then Master of Puppets eight point four, and then oh no, I'm sorry, Ride the Lightning eight point four, Master of Puppets eight point eight. That's where that is where we are at, folks. We are going to be hitting Metallica, the self-titled album. The Black Album on the next episode. But it, does anybody have any final thoughts before we wrap this one up here? This was hard to get through. It was because you didn't listen to the whole damn thing. I, yeah. I did. You <laughs> should have just said it was impossible to get through because that's the truth. <laughs> I listened to the whole thing last week. Fair enough. Oh, okay, last week. I've not since then. <laughs> I'm saying, like, hey, dude, if it was just last week, you don't remember To Live Is To Die? No. We can either do this on air or off air, Dick. (laughs) It's up to you. Uh, My final thoughts are, you know, considering how long it took to get to this point for their album to come out. I mean, Mm -hmm. uh, it's like a two year time gap. That's a lot of time of them still going out on the road and trying to do things while also recording, while also doing everything else they were doing and not really paying attention to that. They had this big trauma and grief monster. I mean, witnessing what they experienced with the death of Cliff Burton firsthand will scar a person deep down. And uh, those traumas are things that were never dealt with. And it's evident in their music. They're so fucking mad. They're mad. They feel the world slighted them and took their friend. And they want justice as best they could. And this was the only way they could serve justice to the world was by making this album. Uh, Not to be punny about it, but that's just really kind of how it it seems to me. So the Dyer's Eve, okay, Dyer's Eve did not was not played live until 16 years later after after it was recorded, and it debuted on the Madly in Anger with You tour in 2000. Wow, during Saint Anger, eh? Yeah, wow, awesome. 
So yes. you couldn't hear Lars's snare very well, is what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> no snare, no bass. <laughs> Dyer's Eve light. <laughs> yeah. Tonk, tonk. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, uh, I mean, Justice is Justice is a. It's a landmark album for them for sure because as as I mentioned in the last episode that we the, that we did like this was the the teetering of them getting into that radio airplay finally getting into the MTV realm and basically just giving them like with how long these songs were with one and harvester and you know and stuff like that like giving them just a little bit of a taste of what the band can do and that just made the main what would become the mainstream and just a just a few years later hunger more from what the band had to offer like quite literally you're thinking about it like just one album prior they're they're opening for Ozzy and now they're doing headline tours across the country in stadiums or or big venues and now they are the headliners now this band is becoming bigger than they ever imagined it could be and they're still going to grow and still get bigger and get be into they're 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 well on their way to becoming the biggest heavy metal band of all time and this album is definitely where that kind of teeters off into uh, into that rank, I guess. But I guess that's all I got for me, man. Anybody else have any final thoughts before we close? I forgot them. Yeah. I loved it. <laughs> great album. Yeah, it is a great album. I do encourage everybody to go back and listen to the other episodes of Rank Them All and continue on our journey of ranking them all as we continue on to the Black Album and beyond. Uh, thank you guys so much for joining us here today. As always, you can check out the rank them all podcast on the as of right now the podcast review feed you can also get the video version on the youtube of journey into comics network Mm -hmm. make sure to check out all of our podcasts on the different platforms itunes spotify podbean Castbox, whatever the fuck you know where to find them just search journey into comic network podcast feed game addicts podcast you'll find all of us that's what's up see how i did that pulled that off there yeah yeah, and that's gonna do it that right in there and that's going to do it for this week's episode. I have been uh, panelist Nate. I've been panelist Brando. I have been panelist Nick. And I have been panelist Dick. God, I thought he was going to say panelist 30% and I was going to fall out. But <laughs> <laughs> he, he kept it pro. I love it. All <laughs> right, guys. Well, for Rank Em All, we will see you guys next time. Later. Later. Later.